sermon series, first sermon series of 2023. It's called Faith Versus Works. The fight that never happened. And what we're going to be uh, uh, dealing with in this series is um, uh, uh, what often gets pitted against each other, faith and works. Um, We often think that Christianity is about one or the other and that uh, uh, one is fighting against the other. But what we will see in this sermon series is that it is not that way at all. And so we will be coming from the book of James. Um, Something about the book of James, um, you know, that has a ring to it. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it just resonates in my soul. Amen. 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 And to those who don't know, I'm joking. Okay, my name is James. Okay, this book is not more holy, you know, than the other or anything like that, all right? Just a joke. Um, But we are coming from the book of James, and we are coming from the second chapter, and then the 14th verse. And that's where we're going to be coming from uh, the book of, uh, from this area uh, for this series. Book of James, second chapter, 14th verse. Um, I always encourage you to read your own Bibles. Uh, But the words are on the screen for those of us who may not have Bibles available. Um, Actually, and this is something I probably should have said during announcements, I'm not sure if people noticed, but we actually have new Bibles in the pews. Amen. Those, Those black Bibles are the Christian standard Bible version, so... Uh, We do have them in the pews, and again, I want to thank those who were responsible for getting them. You know who you are. Uh, But if you, so those, for those of you that may not know how to get there, there's a table of contents. The book of James is in the New Testament section. You get to that page that's next to James, and then you look for a big number two. And once you get to that big um, black number two, then you move on to the smaller numbers uh, and you go to 14. That's the verse. But if you can't find it in time, it's all right. I'm just going to go ahead and and read it for time's sake. Book of James, chapter 2, verse 14. I will be reading this out of the Christian Standard Bible. You will find similar words printed in your text. James 2, 14 reads as follows. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, If someone claims to have faith, but does not have works, can such faith save him? The title for today's sermon, which I will call round one, Faith in Action. Faith in Action. Action. So often in our nation's history, in our nation's recent history, we have encountered encountered mass shootings. 
these mass shootings, these mass killings, these mass murders are happening at elementary schools, movie theaters, uh, even churches. And the common response is, is shock and, and sadness and anger, but the thing that we have heard from the leaders that have been on TV, as well as some of our church leaders, most of who have been on TV, is this phrase, that our thoughts and prayers are with you. Our thoughts and our prayers are with the families of Sandy Hook. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family of those who have lost, or the, with the families of those who have lost members. Even here at church, when we hear of past, uh, those that may have passed away or those who are uh, sick or, or, or those who are going through a rough time, uh, the first thought that many of us have is to say that our thoughts and our prayers are with you. And I personally don't think that there's anything wrong with thoughts and prayers. However, there are a growing number of Americans that are getting sick and tired of that phrase, my thoughts and prayers are with you. There is a growing resentment to that phrase because there's a growing resentment to uh, uh, this uh, this, Amer this uh, Christian faith that, that we have, this, this Christian faith that says that our thoughts and prayers are with you, but the shootings keep happening. But people keep dying, but, but the world is still messed up. And so even though we say uh, our thoughts and prayers are, are with you, a lot of people look at the church, a lot of people look at Christians, a lot of people look at the Bible and say, this faith that you have is absolutely useless. Useless. Good for nothing. And, and that's the question I want to explore today, is when is faith Useless. When is faith useless? Should we agree with the world and say that God's not stopping anything and therefore what's this faith for? Or should we hunker down and say uh, that, that they're just being pagans and being disobedient and, and that they just need to believe in our thoughts and prayers. When is faith useless? That is the question that James is addressing in this scripture. In the book of James, James is a, a, a very practical guy. Uh, again, for those of you uh, who may have tuned in late, I am not talking about myself in the third person. I am talking about the author of this book, the book of James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, who is one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. He is, he is uh, speaking to his, uh, uh, his brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and he is, uh, throughout this entire book, giving them practical ways to live out this faith. 
See, James was concerned with this question, too, is, is, is not just when is faith useless, but how can we make our faith useful? That is the running theme in this book. That is the charge that he has uh, uh, when he writes. And in verse, um, and in uh, the second chapter, in the 14th verse, he, he begins with this subject. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Works meaning good deeds. Work, works meaning the things that we actually do for God. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? And for those of us who have uh, dabbled in uh, our theology, we know that this is some dangerous ground because we have been taught that we are saved by grace through faith alone. We have been taught this. And, and to the common eye, it would seem that, that James is going against what Paul has been teaching. It would seem that this is the contradiction in the Bible. This is the point where we say we do this, but in reality, we don't have our minds made up. How do we even know we're saved? So James comes in uh, messing things up, saying, can such faith save him? And then he gets to verse 15. He says, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food. Y'all see the situation? Without clothes, lacks daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace. Stay warm and be well fed. But you don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? Go in peace. The clothes got all kinds of holes in it, but, but stay warm. You, you ain't had a meal in three days, but, 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 but be well fed. But you don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? What good is your faith if you are not meeting these basic needs? Now, when I was preparing this sermon, y'all got to be patient with me. Sometimes the Lord likes to drop things at the last minute on me. Um, you know, God is also, a, God is definitely a God of preparation, but sometimes he just switches the game up a little bit. And he, he led me to ask this question. And I promise you, I have as many times as I have heard this verse, as many times as I've heard this preached, 
I have never, or maybe I don't remember, but I have never heard this question. And the question was this. Is this a hypothetical scenario? That's the question. That messed me up because here, here's the thing is, is I was thinking this entire time that when I've always read this scripture is that James is bringing up a hypothetical situation. You know, hypothetically, if someone came into St. John and didn't have clothes and didn't have food and we told them, go in peace, stay warm and be fell, uh, well fed, but we don't do anything for them. What good is it? Hypothetically, okay, hypothetically, in theory, as an example, obviously we would say that is not a, a working faith. But the, why is this question important? The question is important because if it's a hypothetical situation, there's a lot of questions we don't have to answer. But if this is a real situation, it gets a little worse. Let me tell you why. If James is speaking on a situation that is actually happening in the churches, we're not talking theory, we're not talking hypotheticals or hypotheses, but an actual situation, we'd have to wonder How did it get this way? See, it's better if it's a hypothetical situation, like we can hypothetically talk about things at St. John that, that, that might happen, but in the back of our mind, we know it's a mental exercise. Something, a, a question that we just have to work through and answer and give the correct responses to. But when it is an actual situation, that there are people coming to the church and that they are coming without clothes and without food and they are being sent home uh, saying, go in peace, stay warm and be well fed. It becomes more than an exercise. It becomes a, a, an issue. And so now the question comes to me and says, is this hypothetical or not? Well, you know what? James is a straight shooter. If you look at all the uh, examples and whatnot that he's using in, in, in his letter, you'll find out he, he don't mince words. He tells you like it is. He don't bring up things that ain't happening. In fact, right before it, he brought up a situation about uh, people coming in well-dressed and, and, and people, you know, the well-dressed people get the good seats and the badly-dressed people get the poor seats. A, a, a situation was, was happening. James is not speaking of a hypothetical situation. It is a real situation. So then this is, this is, this is you know, Lord messing with me in my mind today. Why would a believer or a church neglect the needs of their brothers and sisters? Why would they do it? Why would we as St. John neglect uh, giving uh, uh, our brother and our sister uh, uh, clothes or, 
or, or food or uh, taking care of them. Why would we do it? And I want to propose to you that it is because of this thing that we call the prosperity gospel. What in the world am I talking about? The prosperity gospel promotes faith without works. Give me a minute. The prosperity gospel says you need to name it and claim it. And if you don't have it, it's because you don't have enough what? Faith. If you're broke, the reason is because you just don't have enough faith. If you're sick, the reason that, uh, that you're sick is because you don't have enough faith. If things aren't working out for you, the reason is that you don't have enough faith. That's the prosperity gospel. We don't preach that here. We don't believe in that here. Not while I'm here. And, and why is this a big deal? Because in, the, in, in what James is dealing, uh, this is a real situation. People are telling them that if you come in without clothes, if you come in without food, you just need to believe and you'll have it. You need to just go in peace. You, you, you just need to believe in Jesus hard enough, and then you'll have your clothes. You, you, need, you just need to have enough faith. And, and if you have enough faith, that food is going to show up in your refrigerator. And that's the message that was being preached. That's the message that was being taught. And so you have believers coming in and, and looking for food and 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 and, and, and uh, clothes and, 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 and uh, needs of the body, and the church is telling them, you just need to have more faith. Go out and live out your faith. I am so sorry to tell y'all, church, but we have so many churches like this today in Los Angeles, 2023. People you know are going to these churches People you know are listening to these preachers that you know. This is the prosperity gospel. This prosperity gospel promotes faith without works. Why? Because it, it, it excuses the church of needing to do anything. What, what, do, what do we mean? What do you mean? Here's the thing. A faith without works it's like a faith without reality. This is one thing they were talking about. See, you come in hungry. You come in needing things. And the message that comes from the pulpit, Reverend Burks, is you just need to believe above your situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah life is happening to you, but, but you just can't have that mindset. Yeah, you you cold, but 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 that's because you're choosing to be cold. If you if you choose to be warm, you'll be warm. If you choose to have food, you'll have food. If you choose peace, you'll have it. 
that's the message. We got a whole benevolence fund. Ain't going to use it because they need to choose it. We got people that can actually give them clothes, actually give them food, actually help out, actually direct them to the government resources that are out there, actually give them information that will better their life. But we don't do it because you just got to have enough faith, brother. Faith rea- without reality. You just, you just need to think above your situation. Your situation's not happening to you. You just need to think better. And when you think better, you do better. That's faith without works. Faith without sacrifice. That's also part of the go- prosperity gospel. Because guess what the church's got to do? Nothing. Y'all know it's easy for me to come to you and just say, my thoughts and prayers are with you, Sister Lois. My, my, my thoughts and prayers are with you, Deacon Jenkins. I, I know you're hurting, but, but it's going to be all right. I've done something today. Deacon Hunter, I know you're hungry, but, and I have some food in the fridge, but, but you just need to believe. So I've done something. I ain't have to spend a dime. Matter of fact, I'm getting money. Because I need you to put something in so you can have to show how faithful you are, you know. Faith without sacrifice. That's what the prosperity gospel promotes. It's faith without sacrifice. That's what James was fighting. It's faith without sacrifice. How the church could come in and embrace this need. A brother or a si- and, a, or, and or a sister coming in. And we ain't got to do nothing. We can stay on budget. Faith without sacrifice. But then here's the other thing. Faith without family. That's what the um, prosperity gospel promotes. What do you mean? What do you mean by this? Oh, Lord, help me with this point. There might be a correlation to why people aren't coming to church and what we're teaching. In America, we have been teaching an individualistic faith. What do I mean? We have been teaching a faith that says it's all about you and God. That's it. It's all about you. Hooper. You, Sister Burleson, it's all about you and God. That's the relationship. That's all you need. You don't need anybody else. You don't need the family. How does the prosperity gospel promote that? Have you noticed that the brothers and sisters in Christ don't actually have to do anything to help you grow? In the prosperity gospel, we don't actually have to be here to help you, Sister Morris. We don't actually have to do anything to help Deacon Baker grow in the knowledge and and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You don't need it. What you need is faith. What you need is your own individual relationship with God. 
So, so, so when we talk about faith without works, we ain't got to do no works because we ain't really got to see them. And so what does this turn into? Verse 17, in the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. If we don't back it up, it's dead. To answer the question, when is faith useless? When there are no works. When we talk, a big talk, but we don't walk that big walk. When we're able to say our thoughts and prayers are with you, but we ain't thinking about them and we ain't praying for them and we sure ain't doing nothing for them. That, when is faith useless? When there are no works. But see, here's the thing. Imagine if we talked about loving people, but didn't actually love them. And I know um, for some of us, this is striking a chord because this might have happened to you. You might have been in a situation where the love was talked about. They showed it out loud when there was a crowd around. You know, they, they, they put it on Instagram and Facebook. And they say how much they love. We come up in church and, and talk about it and, and smile at each other and say how much we love people. But when it comes time to actually do it, don't. Imagine if we talked about loving people but didn't actually love them. And all I can tell you is that thank God that he wasn't all talk. What do I mean? Romans 5a says that, but God, what? Proves, demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in our mess, while we were sinning, while we were thinking otherwise, Christ died for us. He didn't just talk about loving he proved his love by coming down through 42 generations and being born of the Virgin Mary and living for 33 years and dying on a Roman cross for us. But here's the other thing, and, and I, I'm telling you, God dropped stuff in my spirit late because I caught this as I was driving in. He said, he said look, th think about the pronouns. God proves his own love for who? Us. First person, Plural. In that while what? We were still sinners. Christ died for. I'm reading the right translation, right? So even in God's proof of his love toward us, it's showing that this faith is not all about me and God. It's about all of us. Christ died for me just like he died for Sister Green. Christ died for me, just like he died for all of you. 
And so I am not going to hog him. I'm not going to use my relationship and keep my relationship only with him and not uh, 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 join with my brothers and sisters in Christ because Christ died for us. If Christ was thinking about all of us when he died, who am I to think about just me? Who am I to say that I'm superior, that my relationship matters? Christ died for us, but he did not just die for us. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose again with all power in his hand. He rose for us, and he not only did he rise for us, he ascended up to heaven, and one day he is coming back to get who? Us. Prosperity gospel makes you selfish. Prosperity gospel is all about you and God and what you can get out of God and, and, just, and, and nothing about your brothers and sisters. But the gospel has always been about us. As I, as I close, I understand time is running. I understand that, yes, we are saved through faith. Not of works, Okay. I understand, and, 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 and I know some of us are thinking of Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, uh, gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. I understand that our salvation comes through, our, through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I understand that we are saved through faith, not of works. But keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. Faith works. Make sure you read that correctly. Make sure you hear that correctly. The prosperity gospel wants you to think that it's just all about your faith with God. And the stronger your faith, the better your results. That has been proven nowhere in the Bible. In fact, sometimes the people with strongest faith have to go through the most stuff. You can rejoice in that, that if God is taking you through a journey, he's taking you through some stuff, just know that God thinks so highly of you that he knows that you can do it, that he knows that you can make it through, not because you're so good, not because you're so great, not because you've gone to school and and got these degrees, not because you've got enough money, not because you've got enough resiliency, not because you can pull yourself by your own bootstraps, but because the spirit of God lives in you and you are relying on him to care you through. That faith works. Make sure you read that correctly. The next time we think of sending thoughts and prayers, actually do it. Y'all know that people, you know, say I'm going to pray for you and don't do it, right? Y'all, y'all know that, right? I, 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 maybe it was just me. I, I don't know. Y'all know that when we say we're going to check on our brothers and sisters, we actually have to do it, right? <laughs> Again, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was just me. Y'all realize that when we 
show our love to others or, or say that we love others. We actually have to love them. We might actually have to sacrifice our time, our resources, our energy, our mental capacity to help them, right? That, that, y'all know we actually have to do it, right? Because if, you, if we talk a big game and say that we've got this living faith, but don't actually do it, it really is a dead faith. But a living faith works. A living faith works. Works.